Aloha and welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar and craft cocktails. I am Louise Salas and we are coming to you from the beautiful balcony bar of Jack Rose Dining Saloon. So when you hear a little noise in the background, don't worry, they're just getting ready for a giant event later this evening. And with me is one badass wahini, the Mixtress DC, my very own Nani Pua, Gina. I love the intro. I have no <laughs> idea what he's saying then. So I don't know if I should be insulted laughing or being like, that's so nice. Actually. That's it, so nice. <laughs> <laughs> so all this Hawaiian talk is going to make sense as soon as I introduce our next designated drinker. And I will let you know, they were all nice things, I promise. Um, he now hails from the beautiful Hawaiian island of Maui. Um, and that is, Gina, that's not just the Valley Isle but it uh, is also the home of Maui Brewing Company. So uh, let's extend another big ass aloha and get the show going and introduce the big kahuna himself. (laughs) (laughs) Garrett Marrero, the owner of Maui Brewing Company. Aloha, thanks for having me. (laughs) So just so you know, Gina, Wahini is just simply woman. Oh, yeah. And Anani Pua is a beautiful flower. Oh, that is nice. See, I told you it was nice. <laughs> nice. All right, I was, all right. That's really great. I okay, think it's because in the past she's she's beca- she's been Isaac oh. or Squiggy Gilligan, or <laughs> Skipper. I mean, it's been some stuff. So I wasn't really ready for such a like, such a nice entrance. Oh, uh, so you don't have to poison her now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no. I got to keep her guessing. You know, keep her on the edge. <laughs> Make sure I know what's actually happening, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's just start from the beginning which way back um tell us i know that it, from what i understand you you originally you come from san diego correct? Yep. Yep. so how the hell did you get out to maui and then how the hell did you take that big leap of making i mean you have an amazing business story that i want you to share but let's start there how where did that come from where did that inspiration come from sure so uh my first trip to hawaii was uh i was living in northern california at the time in san francisco it was a three-piece suit, uh, you know, cufflinks match my tie pin type guy. And, <laughs> wow, that's uh, completely different. <laughs> totally different, totally different. And, uh, you know, I went to vacation in Hawaii. It was my first trip uh, after starting my career as an investment consultant and fell in love with Maui. I was literally at the airport looking out from baggage claim at the West Maui Mountains and yeah. saw the palm trees swaying. And I just, something about that visualization, it just kind of like, took a hold of me yeah, and was like, right, this yeah. is where I need to be. Yeah. And that was the beginning of that trip. So I had, you know, maybe five or seven days, I forget how long it was, and just fell in love with the island and the people and, and, and I've always loved the water growing up in San Diego. And so I just knew that's where I needed to be. Cool. Yeah, it's kind of funny, like each island for me speaks a completely different language and speaks different to each person. Yeah. Um, for me, it's Kauai. Uh, Kauai, mm-hmm. when I get there, is, just, is when as soon as I landed, in the, the airports are ridiculous. They're funny. They're like landing at huts, in yeah. huts, basically. <laughs> and especially Kauai. Kauai especially. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, for me, that island spoke to me. And it's, I mean, it's the <laughs> oldest of the islands. And there's, you know, if, if you haven't eaten at 8 o'clock, good luck. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. If you didn't eat by then, you're, yeah. you're not eating. Yeah. yeah. And it's just funny. Yeah. how each one of those islands and how Maui spoke to you and that's it great. did it totally that's just it, it just grabbed me and um, you know I remember at, at that time I was 23 or 24 wow. thinking like oh this is where I need to be when I retire and you know yeah. this is 40 plus years before retirement age, at least, right? <laughs> but I just remember thinking like this is where my body wants to be like I just felt that and um, you know kind of started slowly dreaming about how I could get out there 
and you know first it was retirement then it was in 20 years and it was in 10 years and you know finally it was just like well why don't I go now like I have the least to lose now no kids didn't own a home you know I was just starting my career uh, I was a few years into my career at least at that point and just decided to take the leap and open a brewery yeah, and get like as many uh, surfboards as you can, and yeah. then start a business. That's great. That's it's great. It's funny. I actually did buy a couple surfboards when I first moved there, but it was literally like I never got to use them, so I yeah. ended up just giving them away because it was like, starting out the business. The first five years, yeah, good luck being able yeah, to do anything. I couldn't even recall. Like you know, we were talking about it the other day, my wife and I, and I could not recall a period where we actually had like a weekend off for the yeah. first like five years. And so that was, it was a little trip. But. I think that's where people romanticize like living in Hawaii mm -hmm. and that, you know, they go and vacation there. And yeah. then when you live there, when I lived there, yeah. there were weekends, like a lot of weekends that you just, you didn't even, you weren't able to make it to the beach and mm -hmm. people just think you're crazy. How could that actually be? It's because it's a normal life. Yeah. You're still working. So when you get visitors, you know, they come over, they're partying, like they're on vacation for seven exactly. days and they forget that. You still got to go to work on Monday, yeah. or you know, maybe you know, you know, I'll see you at lunch or see you for dinner, and yeah. I can't party till two in the morning tonight. No, I'm not off, not every night at least. Yeah, not every night. Yeah. So, um, and you <coughs> have made. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have youth on your side. That's you true. Can. That's yes, true. Yeah. Well, I guess I mean, starting the brewery too. You know, back uh, growing up in San Diego, I had a love for craft beer. I mean. You know, in, in Hawaii, you know, when we first got there, the craft beer wasn't a thing. Like yeah. there, nobody ever mentioned the words craft and beer together. So I think we were the first to use those when it came to like 2000. I love that sound. I know. It's a great um, sound. It's just you feel refreshed. Between <laughs> the There's Put, a way to do it the right way. Puts me at ease. Refresh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, traveling to Maui, just, you know, falling in love with the island and always growing up around water. Um, loving beer as much as I did, you know, wherever I traveled, I wanted to experience the local beer. You know, yeah. What's special about that? And when I learned that the local beer in Hawaii was actually made in Portland, yes, I saw an opportunity to create an authentic local Hawaiian craft beer, um, and that that was the genesis of the idea for Maui Brewing. Um, but it wasn't as simple as just opening a brewery in Hawaii. You know, we also wanted to make the best possible beer we could, uh, and and you know kind of honor the community by using local agriculture wherever we could. So there was, you know, big lofty dreams that me as a young 20-year-old man um, had. And by the time it came to fruition, I, I, I turned 26 when we opened, uh, and that was January 20, 2005. You it's really interesting that to know, like, what was going on in Hawaii at that time. It, you were kind of at part of that, that curve, am I right? With, yeah. like, the food scene where the chefs, the Pacific Rim chefs were really coming into their own, mm -hmm. that, and then the demanding better product where yeah. the, the it started really on the farms because they didn't exist before that. Mm -hmm. Everything was brought in. And so the, the we had to thank the chefs for demanding better products, sure. which um, built um, an economy for it. Yeah. Um, so it's great. All so. the kinds of, you know, they became, they were starting to farm like Berkshire hogs on Maui. And then the, the farmers were not just, you know, growing for yield, but growing for quality and growing for flavor. And so, yeah, those are all, the, the, we hit that tide just perfectly. And I can't say that that was planned. It was just good luck. Yeah. Um, plus there were just a little over 900 breweries in the country when we started, you know, and I think wow. we're steering down almost 7,000 now. Um, you know, if you count all the brewers notices that have been issued, 
if they all open, there'll be almost 9,000 breweries in the country. Wow. Well, just so, the number in Honolulu. I yeah. In the three-year window of time that I wasn't there for three, I hadn't been back in the islands for three for three years, it went from one mm-hmm. brewery in yeah. Kaka'ako, which is crazy now. That's the hipster yeah. part of uh, totally. Honolulu. It was like, yeah. it was a smelly part. It was yeah. actually where my agency, my office was in Kaka'ako. Well, the infrastructure is a little old. Yeah. Let's call it that. Like, yeah. you drive down, you'd be I like, afraid that you'd fall into like a pothole and you may never come out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was but, a shady area for and a And now time. it's the art district. Yeah. It's great. It's yeah. beautiful. You've been to DC, right? Yeah. Real shitty, long time. Yeah. Now, now it's Yeah, I mean, like, so, in this, in this I mean, area for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, Kaka'ako now has, I couldn't even remember how many, but I know when we started, there were six breweries in the state. I think it ended up dropping to like three or four. And then now we're sitting at about 18. So that's, I mean, that, uh, and that's just a little small, like, microcosm in the bigger picture totally. thing. That's just crazy. To it think. is. It's uh, great, I mean, most of those 18 have opened in the last you know, four years or so. Yeah. And, and I would so. say that you probably played a large so. role in that because you're setting a good example. I mean, yeah. you're building a really great business. Going to your brewery, I was okay. so impressed. It was yeah. so, it was just a really, I mean, been to a lot of breweries. It was just, it, I was very impressed and and. I don't know why, but I was surprised at the, the massive size yeah. in your in your um, in your goals. Your yeah. business goals are great. Like, well, you know, it's been a, a goal of ours always to uh, kind of lead by example, and so you know, even starting out and staying true to our founding principles of brewing in Hawaii, um, you know, to be able to do that, we had to change a lot of legislation in order to allow us to grow. You know, not only from limits on how much you could brew, but the fact that Brewpub, when it first opened, couldn't sell growlers. There were no such thing oh. as a growler back then. Yeah. So no beer to go. You couldn't put beer into uh, cans or bottles and sell them. Oh, that's uh, crazy. You couldn't sell a keg out the door of the Brewpub, so it had to be served on site. So all of those things required massive amounts of legislative initiatives from our side to, to really form what could be a craft beer industry in Hawaii. That's great. And this was the first year, I mean, so again, starting in 2005 and being at the ledge this year in 2018, for the first time we've had senators in the hearings, you know, say, well, we're welcoming Hawaii's brewers today. And, you know, eight or nine of us stand up in the room because we're all there. I usually walk those halls alone. <laughs> so to have all those guys finally understand that, hey, you've got to fight for the rights of a brew pub and yeah. for your business uh, is pretty cool. Yeah. You know? And without changing that legislation, half the breweries that opened up in the last four or five years would not exist. That's you know? awesome. So, do they thank you for that or is it a thankless job? You know, I think uh, some do, but it, because some remember what it was like when they either worked at another brewery or had dreams of it but didn't know how to get going because of the, the, the roadblocks. But um, I think overall in the industry, there is some of the younger brewers. I mean, the average age of a brewery in this country is now 3.4 years, <laughs> right? God. And we're 14. So, yeah. you know, we're old compared to <laughs> a lot of these guys, you know. Some of the guys Stashed. barely know who Ken Grossman is. You know, that's yes. sad. You know, and, and, and not, not, not hating on the young guys, but so, I mean, they really believe that, oh, it's just our right to be able to sell growlers, or of course we can self-distribute, or of course we can do this. It's like those are, that was literally legislative changes that we had to make countrywide, yeah. you know, as an industry that opened up the doors to make it easy for breweries to open. And so I think not, not a lot of times do they know the history behind the legislation. And I think that's why um, right now when we're fighting to maintain those rights, when I think taproom rights are actually starting to become a target for uh, whether it be wholesalers or big brewers, um, you know, that's, it, they're going to find out very quickly why you have to defend 
those uh, and that's a real thing it's, and it's very scary yeah if that all goes through and all that changes well everybody's looking at major changes in their yeah. programs what's going to happen costs closures yeah i mean it's yeah, it, imagine if a brewer can't sell across the bar at their own tasting room and they can taste it but then they got to send them to a liquor store or to a superstore to go buy the beer because they can't sell it across the bar anymore that would close the doors on most breweries i mean trillium treehouse you know look at all these fantastic brewers who sell 90% or more of their beer across the, their own bar, yep. they'd have to close the doors because they don't have distribution. Yeah. You know, so that's, and I'm not, you that's know, really an, uh, you know, not doomsday scenario, but it's just, it's one thing we have to watch out for. I mean, the wholesalers are starting to pay attention. I think there's an estimate that 10% of the beer sold, total beer volume in San Diego County, is sold through tap rooms. Really? And that's, that's 10% of a huge market that's that wholesalers aren't getting their piece of. Oh. You know, and then you see what happened in Texas, where now above a certain volume, for you to sell your beer across your own bar or to go, you've got to pay a wholesaler a fee. What? To clear your beer. So like, if oh, I brewed it over taxes. there and I wanted to what? sell it to you across my bar, I'd have to pay a wholesaler who never even touches the beer, doesn't provide any service uh, to be able to sell it. It's tithing. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, you know, like that's how, like, like, I mean, but it's not just beer. Yeah. It happens with Coca Cola. It happens with everybody. You have all these little guys, like, um, like uh, Pox and all these places where they have like their own. It's a niche Coca Cola's market um, in the United States only. Point oh oh two percent. Oh oh two. And go go freaks and bought them and stopped making them. Yeah. Wow. They said, "Oh, okay, great." And they bought them for this enormous amount of money. Everyone was so excited. And shut like, them. We're gonna shut them down. Yeah. Never to be seen again. Yeah. Like a different day. Wow. Well, that's the kind of stuff that. Can but happen. there are some beasts in the beer companies, especially some we will not name their names. that just put their first uh, brewery here in the United States. Mm -hmm. They're pushing hard on this side, uh, the East Coast, because they put their brewery right over here. Yeah. And they're dying to stop all of the sales from like the little guys that are yeah. here. And they're not so little, it's the Costco sales that the breweries want to take back because they want those bigger wholesalers, the BGs, you know, whatever you have. Yeah, they're like, you can keep the cute bottle shops, yeah. but you know, we want the mass market. Those are massive yeah. pallets, they want yeah. them back. And like, yeah. it's big money. People are like, oh, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is, is that niche, that little thing that you're taking, but this person's taking a little and you're taking a little and you're taking a little. Adds up to a bigger number, yeah. and then now they're and they they have tighter, you know, you know they just have tighter realms on yeah. legislation. They yeah. have bigger pockets, to write bigger checks, way bigger yeah. pockets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, millions you, of dollars a year they write to. But that's what's so important Congress, about what you, you know. do. Like so, like not to like not just what we're talking about your product in a second, but like most important about being a little guy is you got to stand together and you can't fight with each other because you're yeah. such a small turf war. Yeah, and you have such a bigger. Um, you know, you have a bigger element to go after yeah. that you don't even realize that your little argument with somebody that you might share your island with, right, yeah. um, is, is irrelevant. Irrelevant, because <laughs> you don't mean anything. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's a great point, yeah. We, when we moved out of our Lahaina facility, we actually sold that to a startup brewery. You know, when, by all rights, we, you know, a Budweiser or some, another brewer might have just closed that place down, chopped up the equipment or shipped it out of state. Uh, we sold it to you know invite another brewer to the island and that way you know we're creating an industry that didn't exist prior uh, so it was more about you know teaming up and, and creating an industry that we all work together to go after the steak on the table as opposed to fighting for the crumbs that the big guys leave behind and that's something that I try to educate the newer brewers on as well is that the infighting 
you know, shouldn't really occur. And, you know, the, uh, something that bothers me, though, is that the, when the big brewers step in and buy a brewery, and then those brewers or the owners of those breweries are, are butthurt, you know, all sad yeah. panda face, that they're not <laughs> like us anymore. It's like, well, yeah, but you cashed the check. Like, you made that decision. And, yeah. of course, we're, we there are going to be things that we can't talk about in your presence anymore because you work for the man at this point, yeah. you know, and you work for a company that is hell-bent on hurting craft beer. And not necessarily, I, I take that back, not hurting craft, but taking away the share from any independents. And they do that by, like, look, Golden Road. You know, you buy Golden Road, nobody at that company could give a shit that they lost a ton of people in California drinking their beer because it opened up the world to their brand. You know, and so now they're, like, picked up, you know, uh, fans in every other state. And, you know, they just opened a tasting room or some a brew pub or something in Sacramento. They're trying to open one in Oakland. And, you know, people are not not for it. But, you know, they, they say, oh, well, the 10% of the population that loved us before We'll lose half of them, but we're going to pick up access to the other 90% of the yeah. population. And so you got their brand up 500% in a year because now it's made in Fort Collins and, you know, down in any plant of uh, Budweiser. It's like Kona, yeah. you know, being brewed in Budweiser plants yeah. now. Which is crazy. Yeah. Which is and crazy. And being shipped back to Hawaii. Yes. Which is well, that's what people don't know in Hawaii. A lot of people yeah. do not know or did know for the longest time. Yeah. That well, more and more they was know not, now. was not brewed well, in Hawaii. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean I, that, was a big, that was a big sting. I yeah. mean... Now you're talking to the nerds of the world. This is what yeah. we talk about. Like, all, like, people, like we like, want to know where everything goes and who's buying what and everything. Yeah. But, like, you're right. Does the general public know that? When you go to the grocery store, nope. Six ninety nine, dollars Done. Yep. Give me the six pack. Yeah. And then to, for, the funny thing is, for someone to think that a beer from Hawaii could sell at six ninety nine on the shelf here in the mainland <laughs> is just crazy. <laughs> you know? And I, Pete, our national sales guy, he always says, he's like, those guys owe you, like, a huge commission check because... The moment we opened and we started selling our six packs at you know nine ninety nine, ten ninety nine, eleven ninety nine, they raised their prices because they used to be seven ninety nine all day in Hawaii. Yeah. And you know now they're like shit. There's another Hawaiian beer. We'll take an extra you know a few bucks a case. You know, and it, it was uh, quite a quite a jump for them when they when they raised their prices. I think all of this just shows that you obviously are a brilliant businessman and you're passionate about beer, but you're also like true leader and like you you're taking that leadership role you see that it's not just me it's a we I mean that takes a strong that's like the pure for me in my opinion my little humble opinion (laughs) that that is like the true sign of leadership because it is it's a greater call it's a greater call it's not just about me anymore and I I applaud you for that and I'm not the only one who does I see here in my notes a national small business person of the year yeah that was uh, a jointly awarded to my wife and I as co-founders of the company but uh, yeah that was 2017 Uh, it was a pretty awesome honor you know yeah that I'd been selected for various awards over the years, but to get you know to be selected as the small business person of the year for the nation, yeah, uh, that was pretty epic. Off the um, island of Maui, even. Yeah. I mean, that's the I applaud you on that. Let's yeah. toast that toast, yeah. and tell us what we're toasting with. We're toasting with our uh, Maui Brewing Company Pineapple Mana Wheat. So, this is a American wheat ale brewed with Maui Gold pineapple. Uh, Maui Gold is often. Uh, considered the best pineapple in the world. Yes. I don't just say that because it comes from Maui, although it is truly the best. <laughs> uh, it's got a, it's much higher sweetness, uh, very low acid, low fiber, uh, makes it great for pressing into juice and using in various products. There's a winery on Maui, there's a distillery yeah. on Maui that use it. Uh, and we basically add the uh, softly pasteurized pineapple juice that we do it ourselves in the kettle uh, to our wheat beer and make pineapple mono wheat. Oh, cool. So you get that 
kind of luscious aroma of pineapple, a little bit of almost a citric finish to it, but uh, awesome on a hot day. Absolutely. Um, one of my favorite beers for breakfast, hands down. Um, <laughs> pineapple mono wheat with some soda water or lemonade, kind of like a Rodler take mm -hmm, on it. Mm -hmm. Amazing. I and that's like that. usually, you know, first couple, you know, Sunday morning, you know, and then when you want to spice started. it up, you add a little tequila or mezcal to it. Nice. And then, nice. It's, <laughs> then it's a party. Then it's a party. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very you, versatile beer. Do you find it hard? Is, is it hard to find pineapple? I know that sounds crazy for people. Who, I mean, because there are very few pineapples grown. I mean, sure. there's less and less anything like of that. Like, dole is gone. Yeah. Like, but and in, in, there's no exports. Are you finding the product readily? Yeah. So that's are you it, able it's to a, pull that. Yeah, it's a great question. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. yeah probably. Not. Pineapple does not come from Hawaii. No. Yeah. Not no, a lot of it. Yeah. Some, so there are some. And then they have those little ones now that you can get. Yeah, the white pineapples. Those white are really good. Are so, so these are uh, so this is 100% Maui grown pineapple. Uh, we wouldn't you we wouldn't be making this beer if we had to bring pineapple in from outside the state. Yeah. Um, this beer started as a way to help keep pineapple alive on Maui. Yeah. Um, because you can't the farmers can't survive on selling the pretty pineapples that yes. everybody sees in at pictures the, in, or at the airport. At the airport or the stores, they, they, they not all pineapples look that way. Some yeah. of them are hideous. You know, they don't they don't look like the you know what you yes. think of as a pineapple so they have to sell those for juice purposes but when the juice plant closed and there's not enough people making products with pineapple juice we you know they had to find a way to monetize that so uh, we basically buy a hundred percent of anything that they can't sell at retail and that's between ourselves Pal Maui Vodka and Maui Wine and then we press the pineapples at the winery and then we bring the juice down to the brewery. That's cool. So, you know, us being able to buy what they couldn't otherwise sell uh, helps to keep pineapple growing on Absolutely. Maui. But, you know, that brand for us, we can't continue to grow it as, as fast as it was growing. Uh, because we can't continue to get enough pineapple. We're yeah. pretty much maxed out with how much pineapple we can buy currently unless new fields are planted, which we're hoping they do. Um, do you, would you use pineapple from another island? Would you uh, pull potentially like from Oahu or Kauai? Or Possibly, but the only place Maui. that Maui Gold is grown is, is on Maui. Maui. Yeah, because it's, it's a special variety. Maui Gold. So, and it was it's actually an, a, a, a trademark variety yes. where like Dole had the Dole pineapples were very different. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is a much higher sweetness level. So it would change the beer to use other pineapple. Yeah. Um, you know, and I I don't know. That. Yeah. I don't know if it would be worth doing. <laughs> but it's a fun beer. I think the wheat style, American wheats to me are relatively boring, but when you add fruit, they, they create a great base for yeah. fruit. So. It is really nice. It is really nice. Well, everyone here in the country calls it uh, banana beer because I think that the, the yeast that you use to make wheat beer tastes like bananas. Yeah. So like, you know, the beer with the bananas, you know, like. Yeah. Half yep. a bison. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Sure. Yeah. We try to educate the population, that's for sure. Yeah, we just talk slower for them. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. let's, talk, let's talk about your coconut. Coconut porter? Yeah, yeah so this that is the coconut Kiva porter. Um, so again, I, the reason I chose these two beers is that, you know, they're they're great IPAs and lagers, and so we, make, we make all the different styles of beer, but, you know, since we're talking about Hawaii, uh, using two iconic fruits in yeah. Hawaii, I guess technically coconut's not a fruit, but whatever, <laughs> um, two iconic flavors there of Hawaii, go. if you will, you know. Um, I think the coconut porter is, uh, the coconut heva porter is our our pina colada almost you know yeah. it's it's how do we introduce coconut into beer and it was actually the first commercial coconut beer ever re released so that oh, was really? in 2005 uh, it was one of the first beers we brewed uh, took a world beer cup that year for the in 2006 for the um, 
uh, urban spice category. Uh, but basically, it's a, a robust porter. And the coconut was inspired by, uh, if you've ever driven to Hana on the side yeah. of the road, the little yes. uh, snack shacks. Uh, they have the coconut candy, just just slivers of coconut with a little so cane bad. sugar yep. and they roast it. Um, but inspired by that flavor and create, you know, we basically infuse that into the beer in secondary and it creates that nice uh, toasted nutty sweetness in the background. Very subtle flavor. No, um, I call it copper tone effect yeah. <laughs> because we don't use extracts. So if you try a lot of coconut beer out there, you're going to taste a lot of suntan lotion. Yeah, it, it often tastes like suntan lotion. Yeah. Yes, I'm That's proud that we started a movement, but I do think we're often imitated, never duplicated. Oh, um, look at that! We still toast <laughs> laying it down. Yeah, we toast thousands <laughs> of pounds of coconut every year. I mean. I think we're somewhere in the ten to twelve thousand pounds a quarter that we're toasting. Where is um, and that's all being grown on Maui too? Uh, no. So most of the coconut actually either comes from the Philippines, Guam, or the or Marshall Islands. Gotcha. Um, believe it or not, you can't get no, enough can't. coconut in Hawaii. See, that's the other thing is people uh, don't know that because that what happens is that the, the coconuts fall on people in cars, so it's an insurance issue for yeah. one. So if you have a coconut palm tree, everybody cuts the the coconuts yeah, out before. They even mature. And then even if there were fields of coconut, then you'd need someone to process them because we can't cut the meat out of all the coconuts. (laughs) You know, unless unless it's a thousand bucks a six pack, maybe we could do that. But, um, you know, we can't. So um, we we have to bring in that coconut. But, um, you know, still we toast it ourselves to maintain a certain profile, a certain color and flavor that we want to get out of it. But we toast to reduce the oils, which helps with head retention. But then we wanted the not the raw coconut character. We wanted that little nutty sweetness in the background of the beer to shave off some of the roast dryness that you get in a porter typically. That's really, so. it's kind of like Gina, a little dry, nutty, you know. A little dry. Finishes sweet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Finishes sweet, could be bitter, I don't know. <laughs> and if she's fallen from the- First they're sweet, then they're sour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this is a great Sorry. beer. Uh, Wait, I want to say something. When did you yeah. rebrand all of your stuff? Because when I, I know, I've been, I've been having COVID up water for a very long, long time. Long time. Yeah, yeah. uh, right? When did you change it from your surfer? The cans. Yeah. Yeah. So we had, um, we had really big, um, illustrative, colorful art on all of our cans prior. And you know when we did that, there were a lot of breweries, even even quote the big guys uh, in the island, um, that were making their beer in Portland that started to really look a lot like our art. So if you look at you know say Kona's original longboard art, and then you look at where it was in 2007 when we released, and then you look two years later, all of a sudden things started looking really close. I mean the, the type of art even, um, whether that was intentional or not, I'm not accusing anyone, but it we had to find a way to differentiate ourselves again. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time kind of looking inward and saying, well, what what should we focus on? And obviously Maui Brewing as a brand on the cans uh, is much more prominent now than it ever was. Um, you know, it used to be just a little Maui Brewing company no, across the great. top. And then the, yeah. the, the central image was the art for the beer and then a small beer name at the bottom. So it was always the art. It was like the bikini beer or the, the, the beer with the wave on it. Yeah, the or big swell. the beer with the coconut, yeah. you know, on it. And now we've focused into tribal tattoo versions of our artwork. So you see like the palm tree with the yep. coconut. Cool. Um, the bikini blonde can still has the bikini blonde girl there, but she's single color, hidden into that Polynesian tattoo. Um, all of us at the brewery love tattoos, so you know, have, trying to celebrate the culture that way. And when you have you know different cans, like you got Maui Brink with yep. Coconut Viva, you got the Pineapple Mana, you know, from a mile away, you know that that's Maui Brewing. Yeah. And that should be our, our central well, focus. Actually, when I went to go find these, you know, we're at Jack Rose and there's a lot of coolers here. And yeah. 
I'm only here to do the podcast. Yeah. I don't work here. But I was going through all the colors, but I knew what color to look for. Yeah. I was like, I'm looking for the brown because sure. that was the one I had to find, the yeah. coconut. Um, and I had to go through. And uh, Yeah, and that was a learning thing for us, too. We knew that each beer was going to have its own color, um, but then the case trays were all uniform. So our customers on island and, and beyond uh, said, hey, you know, I'm having trouble finding which one because now they're all the tops are black. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to find, you know, in the cooler, my bartender's taking longer than normal to pull the beer up. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I get that. <laughs> I, okay, I get it. Uh, that is an educational thing, but okay. So we went with colored trays now. Yeah. So now we have an orange tray for pineapple mana. We have a yellow tray for bikini blonde. We have a blue tray for um, Big, Big Swell IPA and a brown tray for coconut Hiva. Uh, so that way now the tray matches the beer too. And uh, it actually looks really cool yeah. on floor stacks at the stores too. So it actually worked out. So that's where you know it's important for us to listen to our craft beer drinkers and our supporters, and ideas like that come from that. Yeah, but that's yeah. it's it's great that you still listen. Yeah, I mean that's that is another sign of a good leader. Is that you listening, can listen to me for a minute. All right, let's do it. We're pitching it to I'm you. I'm going this way. We're I'm throwing the coconuts right at you. I have set up this beautiful setup of um, copper tone glasses. Put on bump. And uh, we're actually going to use a uh, mezcal today, and we're going to use it with um, the pineapple. Um, and it's delicious and. I was like, inspired by it, but I knew I was going to do this before you came because I didn't drink it. <laughs> I stopped it at my bar, but um, Louise brought me some extra special gifts. She brought me this beautiful um, dried um, mango with a little bit of the lehing powder. And then she brought me home back some. And I, someone, she went to Hawaii, I was like, please bring me the chef's version of what they use. And she yeah. like, asked everybody, like, this is what we use. Yeah. So like, I thought, like, what I could get on Amazon was, like, not the best. And, like, apparently it's the best. Yeah. So I'm okay with that. So um, here's my play on it. And, like, only because I just love the fact that it's so drinkable and so sessionable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to make it unsessionable and a little stronger. So Woo-hoo. I'm adding um, mezcal. Because I feel like the pineapple and the agave go so good together always. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of um, mint, and then we're doing oregano in there. A bit of um, berry, which is a mix of strawberry and uh, raspberry, and then uh, lemon juice. Oh wow! I live a tough life, my dear. Yeah, this yeah. is rough. And we're gonna yeah. shake that. So we're putting this in a shaker pan, and we're gonna give it a, a shake. It's nice, vigorous one. Someone's yeah. got to do it. I know, you know. I know. I travel out to Hawaii, yeah. hang out at the at the brewery, the brewery, which is stunning, and everyone was so nice. Yeah, like, we've got a great team. Your team was great. So we're gonna um, so inside these uh, beautiful coops of copper, we're going. It we have a little bit of um, ice that's kind of like gonna stand up, and we're just gonna double strain it so we don't get anything in there, and then we're gonna top it with the Maui. Pineapple I know, you guys like really. Maui mana. Can I just call it what I call it? Like the Maui pineapple, that's what we call it, right? Because yeah. <laughs> like I'm one of the stockers and I stock the beer. So that's what we say. Mana. Hey, you so, keep buying it, you can call it whatever you want. <laughs> so, like, the reason why I chose this cup for you drink like is this. if you, I'm going to pour this in front of you and I'm going to, if you don't move it, because as far as a little beveled, I'll be able I to that. I do thought I was just drinking too much. the weird thing that I wanted to do for you because I feel like you'll really appreciate it. So you have the islands, and if you look, it maintains its gold color on top because of the reflection of the copper and the pink. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So you take it like that, right? And then we are going to put a little bit of the mango. Nice. Just because it's cool. 
It's going to be beautiful. I'm just sipping your cocktail. <laughs> Don't let it go to waste. Can't let it go to waste. No. Five second rule. Okay, we're going to finish it off with a little, a little touch on the top. Beautiful. That means it's going to be on our nose. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm going to give you, I think I think with this one, we're going to do a little uh, sipping straw. Oh, but, and always biodegradable. But we're going to do a little bridge for friendship. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> we're going to have friends and they're going to visit and they're going to island hop with you. That's amazing. And you guys take that girl in there. That is so cool. <laughs> And of course, the palm. The palm. To make you feel at home. Yeah. So I said it would be a little weird, but fun for you. And of course, the drink is good. I mean, I'm not gonna. I didn't, There's that too. I didn't, oh, lose, yeah. I didn't lose my mind. That's you see, and so um, I explained to her about the little Menahune. This could be like the little Menahune um, village. Yeah, now, it totally is. Like, yes, yeah. drink is different because normally we tell you to take your drink and move your stuff and blah blah blah. This drink you're gonna drink like your friend. You're gonna drink together. Drink together. Oh, awesome. Don't move it. You're gonna drink it. All right. So this I'm glad is. I stood up. Mm-hmm. You guys, please, can you take those? Yep, I can. All right. You got yours? Yes, I'm okay. going to move this out of the way. I'm going to get in there and do it. I'll put our heads together. And we'll just do this. Let's see. You got it, Garrett. You probably yeah, have the I'll longest try. arms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, it's a podcast. You don't have to watch you do everything. Hey, did you miss any of what Gina just shared on how to make this amazing cocktail? Don't worry. Just head on over to designateddrinker.show. That's designateddrinker.show. And we'll have the recipe, the ingredients list, the how-to, every tip it's going to take for you to make this amazing cocktail. Oh, that's good. That is tasty. Oh, that is delicious. So your beer is right yeah. up front. So sometimes it's amazing how things together that like, yeah. what it does. That is cool. I haven't had... Fun. I haven't had one like that before. The fruit, the, the lihing really comes through though. Yes. Cool? On the top, yeah. Yeah, but the, your beer and all that's like totally present, because watch. Yeah, and like, you made the strawberry berry mix. Yeah, Yeah. so it's just like strawberries, a little bit One strawberry and mezcal works really well together, and yeah. I know the, the pineapple mono works really well But now well watch, too. it doesn't change, adding more, like it won't change because it's already, the flavor's already in there. Oh, okay. And yeah. I think that's what's really nice is the rosemary on top, where it opens up when mm. you breathe in, when you sip, it's nice. You guys can, I mean, I don't know if you want to take a picture of Louise, but there you go. <laughs> That's cool. And on that note, that is the weirdest drink I've ever made, but I do appreciate Garrett and all the stuff that he does and everything, so I want to make sure that he knows I appreciate We up the oh. bar of weirdness. Well, thank you. No, this is so awesome. <laughs> I've never seen so much care put into a, one of our beer cocktails before, so thank you. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. We will make your book on I love again. that you brought props. Like, that's cool. Listen, <laughs> we'll, come to, we'll come to Maui. We'll set up an entire giant one. We'll do like 100, and then about 100 people have the drink, and we'll set it up in a big Everybody circle. And we'll have a drone yeah. fly over and yeah. film yes. it while we're yes. doing it. Yeah, It'll be one so big cool. giant social. That is so the cool. The brewery's big enough. The, the bar is big enough. You can have enough. in there. So I think we have there. 72 seated at the bar or something like that. That's yeah, crazy. So, Jeannie, you got anything else? Because, you know. I hate it. I know. Me too. But, uh, I, you know, we can always pack this up and go do a pahana. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just continuing to eat the candy and there we go. the mango and drink the cocktail. So. Well, as you do that, I'm going to call it. It's last call. And we don't have to, we don't have to go home. 
We just have to get the hell out of here. Aloha. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye.